Hello everybody, welcome to Success Defined. My name is Ben McDonald. Today we have Joel David with us. Joel has pursued excellence in a field that he's been passionate about for a long time, and that's health and fitness. So we're gonna be able to go through his story, uh, both on a personal level and professional level, and see how success has evolved for him over time. So Joel, I appreciate you joining me. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to start uh, with you in college. Okay, because that's going to kind of set the tone for where we're going from here. So when you're in college, what is most important to Joel at that time? At that time, I was at Queens University in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I was focused on athletics 100%. So I played tennis there at Queens and also I was walk-on on the basketball team. And my degree choice at the time was not based off of uh, what do I want to study. It was based off of what do I hear is the easiest uh, course load, which was communications. Yeah. So for me at that time, just passionate about sports and, and being young and super athletic and wanted to compete yeah. at, at that level. So that's what was most important to me. Right. And Queens is a division two program uh, for yes. anybody that doesn't know. So you're not doing, I mean, doing multiple sports at a scholarship level is, is an incredible feat by itself. So your communication study and your studies just in general basically a vehicle to allow you to do the sports correct okay yeah all right and the reason i chose queens as well i had applied to different schools actually was accepted to syracuse university okay. up in new york up in my neck of the woods yeah exactly yeah. but obviously that's a, a division one college and, and wouldn't have gotten the playing time that i did at queens and right. my you know my focus was i just want to play okay. funny enough if i would have gone to syracuse don't know if i would have been on the basketball team but that was the year that carmelo oh okay won the, the year that they won i, I would have been there if i had selected <laughs> to go there but again it wasn't important to me I wanted right. to, to play and then the ability to stay close to home as well was okay. great so I want to dig into that a little bit and then, okay. I, then we'll move on to what I was gonna go into but uh, the difference between being a part of a program and being a part of a program that you know you're gonna be able to participate in and play right. in uh, where did that come from why was the focus of hey I just want to make sure I do it where some people say the version of success for them is, I just want to be at the highest level possible even if I don't play. Right, opportunity to take action. And I felt like I would have more control over my success if given the opportunity to step out there and, and compete and play. Okay. Whereas at a higher level, you may not be given those same opportunities. And in my mind, that's the story that played out. Yeah. If I'm out there, if I'm given the chance, then I will be able to be successful because I can prove myself. Okay. Okay. Yep. Perfect. So then you were so focused on sports and athletics and your participation in it. Right. Uh, did you have dreams or aspirations of what after college looked like? So at that time, no, it was, you know, caught up in the moment, making the most out of every day and focused entirely on competition and athletics. Okay. So I knew I wanted to be successful and make a lot of money, but how? That wasn't an answer I could have given you at that time. Okay. Yeah. When, if, if it was in college at all, and if not, then after that's great too, but when did that start to become a reality of, hey... Eventually, I'm going to have to get a job or a career. Right. When did that set in? Probably not until four or five years after okay. college. Because after college, as you know... I was just going to say, that right. leads in perfectly to uh, to what after college looked like. Right. Because Joel had an extremely unique first job, I, I guess I would say. 
So, so yeah, let everybody know what that is and how you got into that as well. Sure. So uh, the reason that I grew up in North Carolina and Morrisville specifically was because uh, family is involved in NASCAR and yep. racing. So I grew up around the sport. And when I was coming to the end of my college career, I um, had the opportunity to go to some pit crew practices and hang out around those guys. And it presented an opportunity for me to maintain being part of a team. Okay. And continue yep. athletics and continue to compete at a high level. So that was perfect for me at that time because I could kind of delay what you just talked about, the reality of, right. okay, time to get a job and sit in an office. And as you get closer to the end of college and that's supposed to become a reality, that was something that was not appealing to me at all. So the first opportunity that came up, you know, I wasn't going to the NBA, nor was I going to be a professional tennis player. Uh, but the opportunity to be on a pit crew was real, and I started taking the initiative to go to those practices and, and didn't know anything at all at first other than watching these guys. But at the end of practice, when they had got their work done, I was able to pick up some of the equipment and play around the car and, and just started to pick it up and had a coach that took an interest in me and started to uh, train me and, and teach me how to be a jackman. And because of that, yeah. I was able to, to build a career there. So you go from two-sport college athlete, not wanting to get out of the probably a college sports mentality, and so you find that in being a pit crew and being a jack, being on a pit crew, being right. a jackman right. uh, in NASCAR. Right. And you did that for five years? Yes. Okay. So you're going through that. Does it feel almost the same as, as going to school and being on, on the tennis team or the basketball team? It feels better because now you're getting paid. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's fair. <laughs> and you can that's support fair. yourself. Uh, it, it feels better in that sense. Uh, it is still you're being a part of a team. Yeah. And that similarity is real, but there's a lot more pressure because okay. you're not coddled as much as you are by a college coach. Yeah, cause because it's a job. It's a job. Yeah. There's real money on the line. There's real lives on the line. And, and, the, and the pressure the crew got more intense. that you're on, yes. if you mess up, they're relying on you as well. The driver's relying on you. So the pressure isn't just on you, whereas a lot of times in a sport like tennis or even basketball, right. it's if you mess up, it may be on you. But if you mess up one time on a pit crew, you affect everybody. That's right. So Well, and you think about the sport specifically, too. Uh, uh, one of the other Jackman in the garage, I think, was going to a therapist regularly. I won't say any names, but yeah, yeah. he said uh, the therapist told him that we had the most stressful job in the world just because we can do a great job and the car can come in, let's say, fifth place, and we send them out up front. But if the car is not on par with the other four guys that we passed, it's probably going to get passed pretty quick on the racetrack. So we can only do so much, but it's really in the driver's hands to to win and be successful out on the racetrack. But what we can do pretty effectively is mess it up pretty bad for that guy. So <laughs> if they come in fifth and, and we have just a terrible mistake and they go a couple laps down, it's a little bit harder to recover. Right. So if we do a great job, pat on the back, you're supposed to. Let's do it again next mm -hmm. time as well. Yep. You mess up, that's what the focus is on. So <laughs> it's pretty, pretty intense, pretty stressful, but the fact that it was athletics, the work week was going to the gym, watching tape, working out, yep. and going to the racetrack and being a part of that competition at that level was really fun and an awesome experience. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, Being at that high of a level, um, but being a young man, did you feel the same pressures that, like that therapist said, of all the stress in that? Did you feel that, or was it just more, I'm enjoying the moment? 
This is a great question. Uh, I felt the pressure in the moment, but you block everything out when you're going through the actual okay. headstock. And then I think the reason I was able to put aside some of the intense pressure maybe others were feeling is because I had already had an athletic career, so I, I knew how to deal with certain situations. And still being single at the time and living with roommates and still kind of just prolonging that college life, yep. you know, I'm going home to not many responsibilities <laughs> as opposed to some of these other guys that were older and you know, that was their livelihood, not just right. for themselves, but their kids yeah. and, and family. So I think that was a difference that I had the benefit of at that time. Yeah. So you're in this career for five years, right out of college. Uh, what evolved in your life where you said, okay, maybe it's time for me to pursue something else? Sure. So my pit crew coach at the time, his name was uh, Phil Horton, great guy, he's still in the sport, okay. and he was also a athletic trainer. And he had worked at Michigan State as an athletic trainer. He was with the Milwaukee Bucks in the NBA. Had a great career before jumping into NASCAR. And when we were in the weight room, I would always ask him questions. Why do you have me doing this workout? Why am I drinking these shakes in the morning trying to put on more weight? Right. Why do you have me doing something different today than <clears throat> these other two guys? And he could just tell, I think, by the questions I was asking and the interest I took in the gym and in the weight room yeah. that I would be good at this or should, or should pursue this. So he gave me the idea that, hey, when you're done doing the, the pit crew, you should really pursue a job in strength and conditioning and training. I think you would be really good at it. And that paralleled with the fact that a lot of those guys also work in the shop as a mechanic or a fabricator. Okay. Um, I tried that. Yeah. I tried turning the wrenches and this and that, but it just never clicked. Just I mean, didn't fit you? You would ask me for a tool and I would go, look around for like 25 minutes and by the time I found it they didn't need it anymore right, right. so it just wasn't a good natural fit for me whereas I I didn't want to continue that for another five years and then be stuck without any other job prospects so I think your earlier question when did the reality start hit me start to hit me that you may need to get a real job um, at some point yeah it was around that time. Okay. And then I said, well, I could pursue coaching. I could pursue that. That'd be actually a good idea for me. So when I finished up my last contract, that's when I took that seriously and started to look for opportunities. Yep. And, and it sounds like you were fortunate enough to be hitting that time of, okay, it's, I've got to find a career mm -hmm. at the same time of having a mentor or somebody there to kind of from an outside perspective lead you in the right direction right is what it sounds like yeah because he would he would be able to let me know what certifications to pursue okay. and you know what connections to talk to and and how to get your foot in the door at some of these places okay. and then i could use that mentor as a reference as well to help out along the process okay so yep. you're you're here you're realizing that i want to go in this direction how does that pivot start where do you go what did you look to do sure so that off season, I actually had tryouts and got offered a job and turned it down so I could have continued with the uh, pick crew career, but decided to take a break because I was getting a little burnt out of it as well, if okay. I'm being quite honest. Yeah. So I moved out to Las Vegas, which was uh, kind of a selfish decision in that I was going to have a lot of fun, Okay. but also um, <clears throat> just pursued my personal training certification yeah. and started personal training out there as a job. And then um, from there, you didn't spend too much time out there. It's maybe a year, year and a half. Mm -hmm. But quickly uh, 
enrolled in a master's program. So now I was trying to get my master's degree online, which yeah. I ended up getting 2010. But as part of the program, you could do an internship. So I applied for internships. I was already almost all the way out west. So I got an internship in LA at, it was then Athletes Performance, now it's Exos. Okay. And yeah. Uh, yeah, went out there and that was kind of the, the launching point for learning absolutely everything that I still implement today. That was an awesome place to be. Wow. Yep. I, I want to go, we're going to keep going on the, yeah, the professional no career, but before that, I want to hit on, on a more personal um, type of question. Okay. Um, the difference between uh, people pursuing their passion versus people finding a vehicle so they can do their passions on the side, yes. it sounds more like you wanted to find something that you would do as a career that you were passionate in. So could you talk a little bit about where you fall on that? Um, yeah, I think it was honestly at that point um, self-awareness as well. Yeah. Because I was working in NASCAR, I was on a race team. Here my dad is a crew chief and everybody looks at me as my dad's son, but yeah. he's athletic so he's on a pit crew, but maybe he'll also work in the shop and turn into what his dad is one day. Yeah. And I had to quickly put that to bed because that stuff wasn't making sense to me, mm -hmm. nor did I even have an interest in going back to school and studying engineering or doing anything to make myself better at that because yep. it was fighting against what my natural strengths were. Okay. Okay. So if I'm being self-aware, I know I've got a strong athletic background. I know I have a passion for what we're doing in the gym and a strong interest in that. And I know if I start to study that, I'll really enjoy it and want to dig very deep into it. Mm -hmm. And I know now that I've been a college athlete and worked in racing as an athlete, I can double down on those strengths and that experience yeah. and pursue this as a career. So at that point, it was more being very self-aware and understanding that, okay, you do enjoy this. and. You are pretty good at it, so let's combine those two factors yeah. and make something real happen. Yep. You would mention doubling down on your strength, and that's uh, you and I had talked. It's a kind of Gary Vaynerchuk type mentality, right? Sure. You, you want to make sure you focus on your strengths and you make that where you're the absolute best at it. Right. So part of personal training, a lot of it actually has to do with the personal relationship. Any type of coaching does. Sure. Uh, was that at the time a strength of yours or was that something that you had to develop over time? Uh, natural strength. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, I think you do develop it over time just by connecting with people. Well, you can improve on it. But you can improve on it, right. But if you're, uh, you know, that's a, a big difference that me and my dad always had. You know, we look just alike, but here he is, you know, the engineer mind and crew chief and very smart. But in terms of personality and relationship building and everything else, that's where my strength would come in. So just understanding that and going in a direction that will let you mm -hmm. use that. And Was that something you were aware of? going back to self-awareness, yep. were you aware of that growing up or was it just something where you kind of had to mature and look back and say, okay, this is what I've always been good at? Yeah, I think I think you're aware of it growing up. Okay. You, you do the personality test at some point through your school career, right? Yeah. And find yeah. out if you're an introvert or extrovert and how you prefer to be teached and, and coached. And yeah, I learned that pretty quick. And, and I think being a part of a team environment your whole life as well helps you out with that yeah. because to be successful on any team, you have to interact, you have to communicate, you have to understand 
other people's perspectives and point of view and also understand what not your individual goals are, but what the team goals are mm-hmm. and where do I fit into that mix and how can I best propel our team towards those goals. So just uh, having that understanding, I think helps as well. Perfect. So I want to... I want to go back to uh, something with the career because I think it, it jumps into a piece of your success. Okay. Um, you're getting your master's, you're doing an internship, yep. and very shortly after you're working with some of the best athletes in the world. Mm-hmm. Can you fill everybody in on what that transition was? But not only that, but how did you make such a quantum leap in such a short period of time? Sure. So at the internship, uh, you're already with some of the best athletes in the world because this is where the college football players go before the NFL Combine Mm -hmm. to help improve their 40-yard dash and and other stats to get drafted higher. And this is where the NBA, NHL, other athletes will go in their off-seasons to help improve themselves. So it truly is... In terms of sports performance facilities, in my opinion, the best that's out there. So it was awesome experience to have that. Now, as such, um, they have staff that builds relationships and interacts with all the pro sports teams in, in each different sport. Yeah. Um, there's a gentleman there who was a representative in sales with the NBA, and he had mentioned just in passing one day, Joel, I, I know basketball is kind of your thing, and if you want to continue this and work with the NBA team, I know a handful of strength coaches that would love to have you um, come on okay. this year. So you only had to tell me that once, right? Right? right. Because instantly there's you just a, raise your hand, sign me up. There's a dream come true, right? Yeah. But I think he even just said it in passing, not understanding what my reaction or response was going to be. <laughs> so literally every single day for probably three weeks after he said that, I would go outside of his office. He may be on the phone. He may be staying late. It didn't matter. I would just sit there and wait for him to walk out and catch him as he was leaving the office for the day. Say, hey, did, did you talk to anybody? Am I able to reach out to anybody? What's going on? This guy yeah. didn't know what he signed up exactly. for. Exactly. <laughs> so he, uh, every day was the same response. No, I can't get, you know, haven't got in touch with anybody. I'm really busy. I'm sorry. Um, it's give me time. He never gave me the hard no, like stop yeah. bugging me. So it was uh, just persistent, persistent, persistence. Till finally, he just gave me a list of names and emails, and, he's, and he just kind of said, Go deal with it. I'm not responsible for what happens, okay. but you're, you're allowed to say I recommended you and please reach out to them and, and see if they have a spot for you. Okay. So I did. So I emailed probably uh, two-thirds of the strength coaches in the NBA from that point. Um, no response from some. Others said, sorry, nothing available. Uh, got responses back from two, um, the LA Clippers and the Memphis okay. Grizzlies, yep. already in LA. Yep. Um, and it was a really quick turnaround. Can you come in and interview... I think it was on a Friday. It was in a couple of days. Of course. How am I going to turn that down, right? right? Because literally, you're pursuing a dream at this point. Yeah, you'll so, make yourself available. Exactly. So that's the <clears throat> number one priority. So go to the interview, which was an experience all in and of itself. But in the interview, got the opportunity to start on Monday as a strength coach with the LA Clippers. Then three days later. Yeah. Yeah. So did the interview. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really... That was good timing as well. So it was a combination of... Um, you know, what, what is it? Luck and, and skill is a combination of like mm-hmm. right timing. I yep. don't know. The opportunities are there if you, you know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Opportunity is luck plus skill plus timing or something like that. But I know what you're talking about. Yes, yes. Half the people listening are like, these like guys, yeah, how can they not put this together? But yeah, I right, know what but, you're I, but I experienced it for real. I didn't read it in a yeah. book. It actually <laughs> happened in real life. Yep. So, can you start on Monday? Oh, really? Yes, I can. 
so I'll be here. And then you figure out everything else yeah. on the back end. Yeah, you, you get a response midweek, say Wednesday. Right. You go in Friday. Right. Three days later, Monday, you're starting with the Los Angeles Clippers. Right. And, and some people would say that's luck. And I think that's what we were getting at. But yeah. it wasn't luck. It's not because you were putting yourself in that situation. Right. If you were not being persistent with that uh, that guy right. who was going to be able to help get you in. Right. Because relationships are key. Right. And do that and stick with it for three weeks or whatever it was. And then take the time and effort to reach out to all of these people because you didn't know who's going to respond. Right. And then as soon as the opportunity arose, you not only grasped it, but you were able to thrive in right. an interview two days later. And let me tell you what I did on those evenings in that about month period of time okay. after I heard, hey, there's a potential you could be on an NBA team next year. And when it actually yeah. manifested. Yeah, please do. So I would obviously go to his office, maybe a 10 second conversation every day, but I was persistent in his ear. We got to make this happen. Yep. And in his mind, he's like, this kid's not going away. Yep. I would go back to the beach, drive to the beach and just take walks on the beach. And literally law of attraction, I would just walk up and down the beach and obsess over, I've got to get on as a strength coach with the NBA team, I got to make it happen. Close my eyes and envision the yeah. experience and just made it real in my mind. And that really built up a belief in me at that time that oh, there's really something to this as well. Yeah. So that I created it in my mind and my mind probably got to a point where it didn't even understand the difference between what's real and what wasn't. Because still at this time in my life, you know, no family, no, no other responsibilities. This was almost an obsession. But okay. became real, yeah. and the emotions that I got with it becoming real were definitely worth it. So, so let's talk. Let's talk about mindset a little bit. Okay, there because you're talking about envisioning it. You're talking about uh, if you you're putting you're basically putting yourself in the right mindset for it. Yeah, right. Um, and I believe just from what you're talking about, if you didn't practice that, yeah, then it easily could have just dropped to the wayside because it would have just been one other conversation that happened yes. to, that you had really quick with this guy. Right. But the fact that you were able to keep yourself focused on it and keep thinking about it really made it one of the most revel uh, prevalent things in your life. Yes. So then you were positioning your mind to be able to succeed there. The most prevalent. Yeah. yeah. It became an absolute must. Yeah. So you, you said this, it has to happen. Yeah. yeah. So can we go a little bit deeper into your mindset practices, your mentalities, things like that, and what you've seen help you achieve other th uh, successful areas of your life going forward from there. Sure. Uh, I mean, everything that is here in this room and everything that's real in your life was that first thought. And, and there's there's really no truer statement, right? Yep. If, you, if you buy something new, you thought about it first. Right. If you meet somebody new, you had to think about making the call or the conversation first. So it's all a thought first before it becomes real. Yeah. And the more intensely you think about it and the more intensely you focus on it, the better possibility it has of becoming real. It becomes a self-prophecy. Exactly. And just because it hasn't yet doesn't mean it won't still. Okay. So the moment you give up on it, okay, now you've decided to make it not real. Mm -hmm. But it, it, even if that didn't happen that year, I was so intensely obsessed and focused on it mm -hmm. that I'm 100% confident it would have happened at some point in the future because it yeah. wasn't 
there was no other direction for my life at that time. Right. That's that really was interesting. all I focused on. Yep. Until yep. it happened. Did you have the dream of working for an NBA team prior to that guy mentioning it, or was it just a hopeful thought until you right. realized, hey, this may be a reality? When I got the internship there, I then had the dream of, I'm going to work with a professional sports team. Okay. Could have been baseball, could have been basketball, could have been football, could have been hockey. And I made that known when I got there. Okay. You know, what do you want to accomplish? Oh, in my career, I want to be a coach with a pro sports team. Okay. That would be awesome. I don't have the uh, genetic potential to be an athlete at that level. And, and I'm already in my 20s, so it's not going to happen for me. But I want to be at that level as a coach. Yep. So that was my intention and goal. And then when it became more specific is when he said, I know some coaches that would love to have you in the NBA okay. next year. Yep. And I said, okay. So now we're evolving this from, it's becoming more real. It's another step. It was just a pro sports team. Oh, well, now it's... Well, and even before that, it was, just, it was just health and fitness. Right. It was health and fitness to athletic training, right. to working with some sort of professional, right. to working with uh, an NBA team. Correct. It, it went from a... Uh, working for an NBA team is way off in the future. You're not even thinking about it. Right. But within four or five steps, it's right. a reality. Right. And I think it happens so fast, and I'm being completely real and honest with you here, yeah. because... And I know not everybody's in the same position, but because that's all that mattered to me. Yeah. I mean, I, some nights I wouldn't even eat dinner because I would go on the beach and I love the beach. Uh, I just okay. feel more relaxed on the water and, and was able to focus more. I'm with you there. I'm okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> so just walking up and down the beach and talking to myself and telling myself that story, sometimes probably talking out loud, out loud sometimes just in my head, but I didn't know any different. And then sometimes four hours would pass by and I'd notice... Yeah okay, it's dark outside, I probably need to get back and get ready to go back to work in the morning, my internship. Yeah. So that's all that mattered. Yeah. So I really do believe in <clears throat> the power of manifestation and that we can do it because yep. I, I was able to experience it. Perfect. I love it. Yep. I love that story. I, and at the time, I mean, it's easy. This is called success to find. It's easy that to see that success for you at that time yes. was pursuing this career at the highest level possible. Absolutely. So I want you to take me uh, through, you worked for the Clippers for two years. Yep. So take me through the evolution of success uh, through those two years. What things did you learn? What things made you eventually pivot away from, from professional sports? Okay. So the biggest difference, and I tell people that are just starting out in the industry now, so if somebody's listening, I hope this is a takeaway for them. The biggest difference in working at a gym or a place like Exos versus working for a pro sports team is that on a pro sports team, you're walking onto their turf. Whereas at Exos or somewhere else, they're coming to see you. So athletes are much more receptive to the training and the skill sets that you have to deliver when they're coming to see you. Yep. Versus you go on an NBA team, you got guys that have never lifted a weight before in their life, but they're genetically able to go out and get 20 points and 10 rebounds yeah. in an NBA game, so that's what they're doing. Yeah, like uh, Kevin Durant, when he did the combine, yep. uh, couldn't bench 185 pounds. Yeah, and since we're saying names, Allen Iverson, the big story, never worked out. Right. right? Tayshawn Prince, you remember yeah. him? Yeah, I do. And those are all big names. Anybody that follows NBA or basketball yeah. definitely knows uh, Allen Iverson and Kevin Durant. Yeah. Tayshawn Prince was a staple in the NBA for a and long time. It's common knowledge he didn't touch a weight in college. And it was like pulling teeth to get him to work out in the NBA. Oh. 
So these guys, they're making millions of dollars and they know how to do what they do. Who are you to come in and tell them we got to change everything up? Right. Now, that's not saying I wasn't successful in that environment. I'm just saying you have to understand the differences between the two environments because a lot of people that fail when given the opportunity on a pro sports team, they come in with their own mindsets and I'm here because I'm so good at what I do and I have all the knowledge and I can't wait to deliver it to the guys. Yeah. Guess what? They have a lot of control. They'll push you right out the door. And I think part of uh, my learning curve with that was expedited because I had a previous coach in racing that worked in the NBA and was able to give me a heads up on that. Yep. As well, when I did the interview, it, it seemed so... Um, Casual, but I think it was purposely done this way. Um, you know, I had one of the staff members bring me back, put me in the office, and that you're just in the office. Yeah. And then not only does the coach that's interviewing you walk in, but you know, here's Baron Davis as well. And how are you going to react to that? Yeah. Here's somebody you've only seen on TV, celebrity look up to, and he's talking about private information about a celebrity event he went to and, and different celebrities that did different things. And yeah. what are you going to do with that? Yeah. How are you going to react? And I think they're, they're more gauging how you respond as opposed to, well, what do you know about conditioning? Yeah. What, what kind of program would you put our athletes I, on? I they would assume care. anybody getting in the door is going to have the basics to be able to do yep. any of the training. Right. But are you going to be a fanboy or are you, are you here to work? Are you here to help our uh, organization improve and get better? Right. And, and it's so culture focused as well. So you got to fit in. Be the right fit. You got to yeah, fit in. Makes sense. And, and the players have to be receptive to you or you're out. So that's the biggest difference. Okay. If you're really into the, the science focus and, and the, the ability to make athletes better, you want to pursue a career with a sports performance facility in which they're going to be receptive to okay. exactly how you want to coach them. Okay. If you want the experience of being at the games, being involved with the practices and getting to know the guys, but they may not follow your program. 110% because why would they, Yeah. right? So if that's okay, but you're more attracted to the experience of being with a team, mm -hmm. then go the pro sports team route. But you have to understand the differences. Just because you're with the pro sports team doesn't mean you're yeah. the best yeah. and right. Right. they're going to be, oh, yeah, please tell me what your program is and I'll do yeah. whatever you say. Yeah. Complete inverse okay. of what people probably think. And so you got into this knowing a little bit ahead of time because of your mentor yeah. that, that this was going to be the culture. Yeah. But eventually you you pivoted again and, and went away from the professional uh, field. Right. Part of it because of the uh, what was going on in the NBA, but part of right. it because of you personally. So yeah. was there something that, that clicked or an experience that happened while you were with the Clippers where you said, hey, I... I should pursue something relevant but different? Not really. I mean, it's funny how things work out, and sometimes factors outside of your control do um, have a butterfly f effect okay. on the rest of your life, right? Yep. Um, so we all make our own decisions, but the NBA was approaching a lockout around this time, yep. and my girlfriend at the time was pursuing a master's degree and she was going to Tufts in Boston. Okay. So around the same time. That's a, that's a trip. Exactly. LA to Boston. <laughs> so decided to, uh, to make the move up to Boston mm -hmm. and, um, you know, priority at that time became relationship and family and everything else. Cause that's not anything I'd really had up to that okay. point. So, you know, you experience your dream. And you get to work with a pro team. If the lockout had never happened, I don't think I ever 
would have stepped out of that environment. Okay. However, you never know what other things are going to happen yeah. between then and now. So at that time, it was kind of a, a, a personality trait of mine when I was younger, just to have the, those obsessions and, and those thoughts to manifest yep. what you wanted. So at that time that I had accomplished working with a pro team, my new obsession, so to speak, was, okay, well now it's got to be family and relationship because I want kids and I want all these things yeah. in the future. And okay, this is how I got to make it happen. I got to follow my girlfriend up to Boston and, and be with her. She's going to Tufts. So that became wow. the new. Yeah. You, uh, you're going yeah. all in on, on one primary focus. Exactly. Uh, at a time. Yeah. Well, up to that point. Yeah. yeah I was going to say, yeah. so, so you, uh, I'm, I'm sure once we get to, uh, to today, which we're, we're close to now that, that's evolved more, right? We keep sure. going through different evolutions. Sure. Um, so you're in Boston for a little bit, yep. and, and you're still in uh, health and fitness and training. Yep. Um, you do a little bit with the Celtics, but not really. Not at just not uh, at the same level, right? Exactly. But go to the practice facility, help out. Because yep. when you get in, it's like a fraternity. It's like a boys' club. You get to know everybody. Yeah. So the fact that I was in Boston, um, knew their strength coach. Brian do and, and was able to hang out, help out, but every organization structured differently, so not everybody's going to have a job opportunity at yep. the same time. Makes sense. Yeah. And and so then you you guys eventually end up back in Charlotte, mm-hmm. which is Mooresville is just north of Charlotte. Yep. So you eventually back end up back here. Sure. As you make that transition back, I guess say home. Right. Uh, take us through your mindset. Then what were your goals or pursuits at that point in your life? Yeah, good question. So in Boston, I got the opportunity to learn more of the business end of health and fitness. So I was a fitness manager at Equinox. And, you know, as a fitness manager, they put you in charge of a staff of other trainers and you manage a sales budget and you really have to focus more on business and numbers as opposed to just... Which you've had no exposure to up to this point, right? Right. Because everything you did from your degree wasn't in business. Correct. Your experience was very hands-on, which Correct. is fantastic, but now you're starting to get to see the other side. That's right. Okay. And, and you know, I showed a, a high acumen pretty early on for sales when I got in to Equinox. And, and a lot that's of it why probably has to do with, you were talking earlier about your ability to connect with people on a personal level Correct. and being uh, a, le- a little bit more outgoing. Correct. Leads right into sales. Yeah, it's just personality yeah. and, and people, people, and connection, yeah. and because of that, they put me in the managerial role, and we won awards, Best Fitness Club in Boston, and for Equinox, and all of that, but now, um, you know, me and my now ex, we got engaged while we were up in Boston. Families are both back here in North Carolina, and um, we wanted to settle down back in North Carolina. Yeah. Great, that's what I want, family, right? And now I have this business understanding of the, the health and fitness industry. And coming back to North Carolina, there aren't the same opportunities in the gym industry, so to speak, yeah. that you get in some of the you know, bigger cities like Boston, Correct. New York, LA. And um, what was priority at that time was being close to family, settling down. Okay. So I decided to, to parlay the business awareness that I gained and just do my own thing. Okay. Coming back here. Yeah. Did you ever think prior to that that you wanted to run your own business or was that not even a thought in your life? Yeah. So absolutely. Because at Equinox up in Boston, this is more of a grind. This is more of the nine to five, nine to six, nine to seven sometimes. Mm -hmm. And you're putting in the hours whether you want to or not. So now you get a little bit of the taste of 
do I love my job or do I want to continue doing this for the rest of my life? What are the other options? It's whereas, testing you. Yeah, whereas prior, when you're with the pro team, with the Clippers, I, I look forward to going to work every day. Right, right. Some of the players would call me at 2 a.m. sometimes. Can you open up the gym? Yeah, absolutely, let's <laughs> go, right? Yeah. So, so there's a big difference from having that mentality of, I don't even feel like I'm working here. Right. I'm part of a basketball team, yeah. and this is an NBA team, and I get to be with these guys on the court right. before and after games. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. didn't seem like work. Right. Whereas, okay, well now you work at Equinox and you've got your middle management, you've got people above you pushing you to hit figures, and then you've got trainers underneath you you have to manage. Hey, I can't see my client today. Boyfriend just broke up with me, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. I'm sick. So now it's more of a, a task okay. as yeah. opposed to yeah. how much fun you're having before. Right. You're just hanging so, out in an NBA stadium. Exactly. So doing it for three years and being successful at it, but then also understanding, it'd be kind of cool just to, to be able to do your own thing. And how what does that look like? How yeah. can I do that? Well, I'm good at sales, I figured that out. I know what I'm talking about with health and fitness yeah. and training people, I've worked with hundreds of them now in the gym. Yep. So is there a way for me just to work with clients privately and individually and support a family as well, okay, and not have to deal with. Hey, did you clock in ten minutes late today? Right, or, right. You know, did not have to deal with all the other yeah stuff that a job comes with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so interesting. Um, you get back to uh, to Charlotte area, yeah. and you're starting to do your own thing. Um, what's the biggest struggle from that you experienced? Yep, uh, from going through where you're an employee, basically mm-hmm. for everybody, right? You have a boss above you for everything. Mm-hmm. To now you're running the ship. Uh, yep. What's your biggest struggle? The the early stages. It's like watching grass grow, just trying to get everything off the ground, and then once it gets off the ground, it gets a lot more fun. But was the, it was it practicing patience or just not knowing if it was actually going to manifest in anything? Both. Okay. Yeah, both. So obviously with the gym, you have the luxury of people just walking in. You have the luxury of the brand name. You have the luxury of all of that stuff that they spend millions of dollars to do to make sure their business is successful. You're just part of the system. Yeah. But now if you're trying to start something from scratch, it it was a quick eye-opening experience like, oh, wait, I got to figure out how to find people to talk to about this. This whole marketing thing is kind of important. It's not just going to come to me like it did before. So um, a little bit of of pressure there and then combined with, is it going to work? I know how to do it. I don't know if it's going to work. So having to learn even more. I, I didn't know what I didn't know okay. until you throw yourself out there. Yeah. Did you hit any major roadblocks or was it generally smooth in the growing of the business? Yeah, no major roadblocks. Uh, once you started to figure out what marketing channel started to work, okay. I think it was... Trial and error type trial, stuff? Yeah, so you know, Tony Robbins talks about the ultimate success formula mm-hmm. and I followed that. I was listening to the Tony Robbins tapes at the time, okay. and that was probably one of the biggest helps for me. And his ultimate success formula is pretty easy. Get clear on what you want. So what did I want? I wanted to make six figures running my own show. Okay, that's pretty clear. Yeah. And then step two, take massive action. Okay, so I did that. But step three is most important. Notice the results that you're getting. So what's working, yeah. what's not, and then last step is um, adjust 
your actions until you reach your final outcome. Goes back to your self-awareness statement earlier. Oversimplified, right? But I followed that to a T. And, and his example or analogy is when a plane takes off from Charlotte and goes to Hawaii, let's say, it's probably off course 90% of the time. But it still arrives at the destination yeah. every single time because the pilots can adjust the course as they get too far off. Mm -hmm. So that's what I was doing with the business. I didn't know anything, but I knew what I wanted. And I started to take action towards it. Some stuff didn't work at all. Other stuff, oh, that actually worked a little bit. So let me keep doing that. <laughs> yeah. So interesting. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to jump uh, again, kind of on a more personal level again. Okay. Uh, you are very focused on, um, we had, we've said self-awareness a few times, sure. but you're very focused on, on where you are, both in your mind and physically and things like that. Right. Uh, can you take us through your morning routine? Because I think... Uh, it's something that you focus a lot on right. and, and it's very important to you and I think it helps you lead to your ultimate success. Absolutely. And, and I don't think one morning routine is better than another. Right. I think you find out what works best for you. That's fair. So to answer your question, um, I put my phone on airplane mode at the night, at yep. night before I go to bed. So when I wake up, you're not bombarded by those distractions. Yeah. And I learned that from Tim Ferriss in, in the four hour work week. Okay. He talked about yep. that. Um, and then turning off email notifications as well. It's just a big, for some reason, just like eye opening breakthrough for me. So <laughs> I, I put the phone on airplane mode, and when I wake up, um, there's no distractions. And then I usually just focus on one point in the wall and just, you know, meditation practice, just try to get myself centered. Okay. Like, this is where you are, and clear your thoughts and just center yourself. Mm -hmm. And then what I'll do as well, I keep a, a journal by the bed and it's just a gratitude journal. Okay. So what are you thankful for today? Yeah. You know, I'm thankful for my feet, thankful for my heart, thankful for health, thankful for the bed, thankful for just simple things. Yeah. But if you get to that state of gratitude early on, well now you're centered, you know where you are and you're happy. Yep. And then you can start to focus on, okay, what needs to be accomplished today? Okay. But you're coming from that place of gratitude and abundance, and it's a lot easier to be you. And then no matter what happens the rest of the day, um, if you control the morning, you're going to be able yeah. to control your thought process and mindset and, and actions as well. Yeah, so true. So true. Uh, you, you've mentioned meditation. We talked about mindset a few times. Uh, and then journaling also goes back into mindset. Mm -hmm. So how long is that morning routine and what do the days look like if you're not able to do those morning routines, if that happens at all? It's a non-negotiable, okay. I have to do it. Uh, two hours in the morning. So personally, I wake up at six okay. and I go to eight. Okay. And then the reason it's two hours is because after I've done the meditation and the journal, I have to get a workout done too. Okay, gotta so move that's in the morning. Yep, yeah, gotta move, so that's important for me as well. So. What I'll accomplish in the morning is you know, meditate, journal, workout. Those are pretty much the three non-negotiables okay. after I wake up okay. and set aside two hours for that. So day gets started at six, but the first two hours are focused on myself okay. because the idea behind that is you know, the universe deserves your best self because we're all connected to the same thing. We're all people, right? Yep. And no matter what you do, you're going to have to connect with other people. And the best way to do that is to project your best self. Right. So what are you doing to ensure that? And I think that first thing when you wake up in the morning is the best opportunity to do that. Mm -hmm. So I will never not do a morning routine. Okay. If I wake up and it's, we'll put it this way. 
if I have to be somewhere at six in the morning, I'll wake up at four. Okay. And get it done. Yeah. Uh, kind of building off of that, mm -hmm. uh, when did you start a morning routine? Not necessarily this one, because that's going to change too, but sure. when did you start doing morning routines? Uh, just recently in the past year. Okay. Got I, into it. And prior to that, was it, it basically what you would wake up in the morning and just jump yep. right into the day? Yep. Yeah, and, and you immediately saw a difference with, with the morning routine when you first started it, or did it take time to kind of get into? Well, it's going to take a little bit of time to kind of get into, but... You practice with anything. Right, but not too long until you notice a difference. And then when you first start, now it's a non-negotiable, but when I first started a little over a year ago, yeah. um, I would go three or four days consistent, and then there's a day where you wouldn't do it. Yeah. And I think in that short period of time, I noticed such a huge difference on the days that I did it versus okay. did not do it, yep. that I realized this is now a must for me. because I'm so much better, I achieve so much more, and not only that, but I feel so much better, yeah. no matter what happens during the day, if I've done the morning routine, that I couldn't imagine going back to not doing it. Yeah, you had a successful day prior to 8 a.m. every right. day because you got some of the most important things in your life right. done before you had any distractions. Right, yeah. and think about this as well. Your quality of life is in direct proportion to the quality of emotions that you feel day to day. So if you're in control and you're happy yep. and you have that mindset, then you have a great quality of life. Yeah. So that's set up by you early on in the day. Yep. Um, okay, so we're gonna get into some, some principles and philosophies here in a little bit but I, I don't want to, to stop your story as you're starting your business. Okay. Right, because obviously you have a lot going on now. Sure. So I want you to dig into, um, on the professional side first, mm -hmm. what's most important in your life right now and, and what are some things that you're working towards for a vision down the road? Yeah, so most important now is just kind of establishing a foundation with the business. You know, I, I think if um, you don't adjust or adapt to the landscape, then you're gonna fall off, right? Yeah. It wasn't a Toys R Us that just yeah. had to yeah, we close those doors. Yeah. And they've been a staple for years, but they never adapted to online retail and, mm -hmm. and everything else. So yeah. with myself, consider that you know going through this 10-year process, most of it was um, not digital. It was all in person okay. and um, hadn't really adapted yet to the online experience or, yeah. or digital world. So now my focus is that is learning what I don't know, you know, learning online marketing, learning how to create a good coaching business and brand to deliver online. Okay. Okay. Because I think we're still in the early stages of that. Mm -hmm. I think we have <clears throat> a good opportunity for a, a big land grab online, but those that don't adapt to it, you're going to be gone. And, and, and one of the common conversations today is, you know, what's going to happen to the 55 year old truck driver when everything is autonomous and self-driving. You adapt yeah. and get a new job. It's nothing new, right? I'm pretty sure that the Joe that was driving a truck doesn't feel bad for the guy that lost his bookstore because Amazon came along in the right. 90s, right? Right, right? So you have to Until adjust. it affects your industry. Right, so what I've noticed in you know 2014, I started, I was just doing in-person sessions and, yeah. and going to people's homes and that was great, but I got really busy. You can only go to so many places, yeah. hire some contractors, um, but online is really, in my opinion, going to take over 
So my focus now why, why today, is, that, is that because of the convenience? Is it because of the price point? Tell, tell me why you think that's... To, I don't disagree. I right. agree with you. Right. But I just want to hear your reason why you think it's going that direction. So I think there's always going to be a time and a place for in-person coaching. But to, to back up at the level I want to take my business, okay, that's not possible. It has to be, be because of being able to expand exactly the scope and being able to touch more people yeah. on a greater scale and more people are going online because of the affordability, the flexibility of it, and also the access and accessibility you have yeah. virtually now. Yeah. So, and I think it's every business. So I don't think it's exclusive to health and fitness. Right. It's not exclusive to the transportation that's now going online in the sense that it's digital, autonomous, the internet's driving everything. So everything's transitioning and adapt or die, right? So now it just hit me about a year ago um, that I need to figure this out. I didn't grow up with the luxury of a computer even. Like this what we grew up before uh, internet. I I always tell the stories, I'll tell it here to you, it's so funny. I was in eighth grade computer class this okay. back when the discs were floppy still. And the, the screens were green still. Yeah, yeah and you're yeah. playing Oregon Trail yeah. on there, which yeah. was, right? Well, it's Friday, and we get to watch a video. Remember how fun it was to watch okay. a video in class? Yeah. So, cool, we get to watch a video. This is eighth grade, right? And this the teacher puts in a video, and they're talking about this new thing called the World Wide Web. And the <laughs> example they used was we were going to be able to talk to people in China Without having to use a phone and just yeah. over the, like that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. Who wants to talk to anybody in China? That was our mindset, right? Yeah. And then I think we went home that afternoon and just pushed each other down the hill in some wheelbarrows and played <laughs> football outside. That was it. Yeah. We didn't go home and I mean maybe video games, but we didn't go home and get on the computer or do anything. Yeah. So that's how we grew up. But I think we're the last generation that grew up like that. Mm-hmm. So now it's just a matter of adapting and learning yeah. what to do to be successful going forward. So that's my primary focus and mindset right now. Yeah, yeah, perfect. And you, uh, this is going to get kind of in your personal motivations now. Okay. We keep flip-flopping back and forth. That's okay. People will follow along. Um, you're doing this, running your own thing, you're getting contractors, but you want the vehicle to be in-person but also online. And you right. said a reason why was because of having access and touching and impacting people. Right. So... That's that's not it's a, a motivation for you, but not everybody considers that. Not everybody wants to have the greatest impact possible. So why is that something that's important in your life? Yeah, easy because you know, we talk about quality of emotions, right? And that's in direct proportion to your quality of life. So what I found pretty quickly is you, know, you can achieve different levels of success. You can accomplish your dreams, which I did with the Clippers and working with the pro team, yeah. and and now. A dream was to run my own business and be successful, and I did it. Yep. Um, but that only takes you so far emotionally because you're doing that okay. for yourself. Yep. You're doing that selfishly. And you know, I talked about in early 2014. One of the catalysts for me was the Tony Robbins tapes and teachings. Right. Yeah. Yep. One thing he teaches is you know, success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. Yeah. And what is fulfillment, and how do you accomplish it? Well. Think back to any time you've been able to give something of true value to somebody. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be money, but it could be time. It could be compassion. It could be anything that they're really in need of, and you're able to give it. Yep. That fills you with such a sense of fulfillment. And the, the feeling you get when you give and somebody's truly thankful for that, yep. that's fulfillment. 
So if you achieve success at whatever level you want to achieve it, mm-hmm. billions of dollars or um, even health goals, whatever they may be, if you're not also focused on contributing to others, you're not going to experience yeah. true fulfillment, which is, in my opinion, the highest level of emotion that you can have. So you got to focus on growth, but only grow more so that you can give back. Yeah. And that was a, a big evolution for me a few years ago. So it, it did shift my focus. Whereas back to you know, the Clippers and Law of Attraction and Manifestation, I wasn't thinking about anybody else. Yeah. That was me, 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 yeah. me. And, and I loved it. And it got me a lot of, of good emotions, but emotions in the moment, right? It was pleasurable in the moment. Okay. Yeah. But it wasn't um, long-lasting fulfillment yeah. because what are you really giving back? Right. It's eating the, the cupcake that's going to make you feel good for the next 10 minutes mm-hmm. versus eating a meal that you're going to be happy you ate it for the rest of the day. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And we're here for a long time, you know, you know, God willing, right? But we're on this planet for a long yeah. time. So if you're always just focused on that cupcake, that instant gratification, it's going to be um, a hard life because it gives you pleasure in the moment, but then you're right away seeking the next Instant gratification. It's a roller coaster. Exactly. It's highs and lows all the time. And exactly. you're looking for something that's giving you the the longer gratification where you know I'm truly positively impacting people. Right. And that's the secret. I think most people come to that point at some point and that was recent for me. So Yeah. yeah. I love it. That's probably the perfect segue into okay. getting into some principles and philosophies. Sure. So the first one, and we've touched on this topic a little bit, but uh, the, the three pillars uh, yep. that I have in, in my life, it doesn't have to be three, that's an arbitrary number, but what are those most important uh, things in your life where you know if you're doing something in those categories, you're improving or you're enjoying your life? Gosh, so for me, um, and something I always tell myself, I'm healthy, wealthy, and free. Okay, okay, so health, obviously, yeah. wealth doesn't have to be financial, just wealthy in spirit, wealthy in mind, and then free. So going back to my experience working in a gym, just the freedom to work how and when I want and, and to impact as many people as I want. So that freedom and flexibility in life is important for me. Mm-hmm. So those are, those are three things I value above all else. Perfect. Perfect. Great answer. Uh, next one, what's one thing that's going on today that you wish you could change or eliminate? One thing that's going on today to change or eliminate. Yeah. Okay, you're asking the stumping questions that's now. Right. That's right. <laughs> I, I let you warm up enough to, to get into these. <laughs> okay, one thing to change. Um, yeah, I, I think um, one thing that's going on today that I can change or eliminate. I think just bring people to awareness um, that we're all in this together, right? So take away a little bit of the selfishness. Okay. And, and um, with that, to, to not get too spiritual, philosophical, entitlement. Okay. Entitled mindsets. Okay. Uh, I'm a sports guy, right? Yeah. So you think about um, kids these days, by the time they're 14 years old, they probably played on 10 different select travel teams, no matter the sport. And if I'm not getting my playing time or you're not putting me in the situation to succeed, I'm out. Well, the grass is not always greener on the other side. I think the mindset and what I would hope to instill in, in people that give me the opportunity is, if it's not going your way, work hard to make sure it does go your way. And, and if it's still not going your way, then work even harder. Don't just try to get out yeah. at the first sign that it's not going the right way for you. Yeah. And 
entitlement is a huge problem, I think, with um, a younger generation and just the way that they're raised. And it's not anything that they've done wrong. It's just the environment that they've been brought up in. So if I could change anything and hope to continue to impact would be that mindset. Change it from entitlement to, no, you're in control. So work hard, work harder, make it happen for yourself. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, last two questions, both okay. revolving around success. Okay. So how do you, in this personal, professional, everything together now, yes. how do you define success in your life today? Good question. So defining success is being self-aware enough to double down, triple down on your strengths, something that Gary Vee preaches all the time, right? Um, because we're all made differently. You don't have to just look at gender or height or anything like that. We're all made not only to look different, but with different natural strengths as well and abilities. Find out what you're good at because what you can offer to the rest of us in the world is different than what I can offer or what you can offer. When you figure out what that is, master it. Do it and continue to do it. Double down, triple down on it. And I think if you're self-aware enough to understand that and to deliver that, life becomes a lot more enjoyable and easier and more fulfilling because you're giving something to others that they can't necessarily get for themselves and life is easier for you because what you're doing feels natural so not it's different from passion right so don't just say oh i really like basketball i'm going to pursue that but meanwhile height's not a good example but meanwhile you can't jump very high and and you're just not successful at it well it's going to be pretty difficult if you continue to to try and try and try and try and try Mm -hmm. and not get there but figure out what you're good at continue to do it you'll be successful yeah perfect so last one we're going to build off of that yeah and get a little bit more specific Mm -hmm. okay you and i are sitting here having a conversation three years from now yeah what's happened in the next three years to where you can look back and say that was a successful three years optimize my potential in the current environment because i'm a strength coach right so uh, i feel like we're all born with a genetic capability or potential to athletically achieve a certain feat right But when you've optimized that, you've optimized it. But be happy about that. So outside of sports, what's happened in the last three years, I've optimized the opportunity given to me and my potential. I know I can learn. I know I'm good at certain aspects of business like sales and um, some online marketing. But some of the other things I may not be good at, you can automate and or outsource. So optimize the potential um, in my business which goes back to self-awareness and doing what you're good at. And then, yeah, yeah. so that's it. What a great way to finish. I I like that answer a lot. So thank you so much for joining us. I I know I got a lot out of it. I'm sure everybody listened to it too. So the last piece is just going to be anything else you want to leave everybody with and then follow that up with where can they find you? Okay, excellent. So um, just hope that everybody listening or watching was able to take, you know, uh, something away from it, but really, Focus on what you're good at and and use that as a strength to be able to give back to others. And I think that's going to be one of the secrets to your success in your own life. And what that is for you is different from somebody else. So think about, you know, what has been easiest for me in the past? Where have I really thrived and excelled? And start to do some soul searching or self-reflection and figure out what it is you're good at and pursue that. 
because life is going to just come to form and shape for you when you figure that out. And then uh, I'm Joel David, and you can find me at joeldavidfit.com. Uh, My Fitness Foundation is the name of the coaching um, business that I have, myfitnessfoundation.com as well. And then you will see more from me over the next few years. Nice. Love it. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you.